For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast, the final position ranking. It's officially draft week. We just did an episode talking draft bets. We're finishing things up with our positional rankings. As I said, it is the edge class. And holy crap, Ryan, you're about to unleash a, a, a top five that I was not expecting. I thought some of these other groups that you had were controversial. But man, this has to be your most controversial uh, out of any position group, especially for what is the most talented group in the in the draft. It's not going to be controversial after I if after I develop an understanding for people out there of where I'm coming from. Okay, it's not okay. it's not going to be controversial at all. Okay, sorry, and I'm 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 going to be very Debbie Downer this whole thing because if you're watching on YouTube, I'm just so upset with this setup of my of my head right now. I just look because it's zoomed gigantic. in because it's clear and you look good. It's de- Ryan decided to hook up his webcam for this and because we're testing something out, I want to see how it looks. And yeah. you look great. This is great. This is what TV looks like when you. When you have a, a broadcast with two analysts, there's you a, a two, you have a two box side by side. You don't do the zoom out thing. It's just not this done is a, on TV. There is a reason why I do podcasting and not television, Joe. There is a look, reason for you this. Look beautiful. You're you're mm. the most. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a rate. I'm a radio. Man. I'm a radio face, man. I'm not a TV face. Okay, and I'm okay you're, with this. You're the most handsome man in. In, in this in, in this in this stream yard right now, yeah. I'm the most handsome man. Yeah, okay. S- sadly, Ryan, you don't have a choice on if you get to be on camera or not these days, just because it used to be where it could just be your voice, but now if you want to do a show, you have to do everything. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ryan. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Can I'm we get sorry. to the can we get to the really yes. talented edge group? Can we yes. do that? Let's talk about this this very, very talented edge group. So first, before we get to that though, I just want to tell our listeners about bet online our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info find all of the latest sports developments including updated odds on the nba playoffs fights and even next season's futures don't forget that the mlb is back as well who are you picking to win the world series bet online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs including live betting and your favorite vegas casino and poker games Super easy to get started, so head to their website today or use your mobile device to join. Use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Ryan, talking mm-hmm. sleeper. This is going to be the, the least controversial part of the show. Uh, D'Angelo Malone, somebody who you brought up before the Senior Bowl, is somebody you really, really liked from Western Kentucky. Here he is debuting um, as your sleeper for this class. Talk a little bit about Malone and, and why you like him. 
Yeah, I, I mean, Malone for me is, I think he's one of the better outside track stand-up rushers in this class. Like for three, four teams, I think it makes a lot of sense because he's kind of a hybrid dude, not the biggest guy in the world. It's six foot three plus and 235 pounds, but plays the run surprisingly well for that size, has kind of like that edge linebacker profile to him. I think he could play multiple systems if you're a 4-3 team that wants to play some under fronts and do all that type of stuff. But for me, Malone, really bendy, explosive player off the edge. And I I did talk about him a little bit before the Senior Bowl because I think the NFL is going to be a lot higher on him than some media, Joe. I, I think he's going to be a top 100 pick when all is said and done. I think he's going to be a third rounder. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Malcolm Kuntz that came out of Buffalo last year that ended up also going top 100 to the now Las Vegas Raiders. So I think he's one of the more talented stand-up rushers in this class. I think his speed around the edge is fantastic. I think he has transitional quickness. Everything is really good for D'Angelo Malone. He might only be a situational pass rusher early on in his career, but I think that he's going to give you some some snaps as a pass rusher as a rookie because I think that he just has some dynamic speed to him. Yeah, It's really funny, and we kind of went over, went past this a little bit by jumping right into the sleeper. But this class is just so deep where it's really funny to hear a guy like Malone who's been around for a decent amount of time and has been really, really good at a smaller FBS program, and he's considered to be a sleeper. Maybe in mm-hmm. other classes that wouldn't really be the case, but there's just – like where does he line up for you in your in your class for the edge group? Like where does he sit roughly? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at my list now, and it's it's tough because edge always you're gonna put guys that are four three defensive end, true guys, three four outside linebacker rushers. I think he's outside of the top ten, honestly. Just looking at the list because you still got guys. Crazy. I mean, to your to your point, man, it's like Hutchinson, Johnson, Thibodeau, Ajabo, Karloftis, Boy Mafe, Arnold Ibiketti, Nick Benito, Trevon Walker, Alex Wright, Dominic Robinson, Drake Jackson, Sam Williams. That's not an order, by the way. That's just kind of just to illustrate how much of a crazy depth this year is. Kingsley Anikbari from South Carolina, Cameron Thomas from San Diego State. These are all players that I would be happy with potentially taking in the top 100 picks. Like there is a silly amount of edge class talent. So he's probably in the 10 to 12 range, which I think illustrates just how deep this class is overall. Yeah. If your team needs an edge rusher, this is the class to get one and just hope that your team drafts one. And then maybe if you're really desperate for some pass rush, maybe you draft one early one late because it's, it's that kind of a class that you can, you can do that kind of stuff. Just don't draft a quarterback focus on edge. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good word of advice, man. I like it. So let's uh, let's blow the, the world up here with, what is blow is the be, we're gonna blow the world up huh that's yeah, a we're great the metaphor draft, the draft world the draft sphere everyone's gonna lose their mind i'm so excited for the comments on this video uh because they were your quarterback rankings were, were very casual uh you know they were slightly off from the consensus and there were people who decided to comment that they disagreed but you're most overhyped mm-hmm. and this is a spoiler isn't in your top five <laughs> But this guy is projected to be the first overall pick right now. Yep. Trayvon Walker from Georgia is not in your top five. Now, Walker, again, projected as possibly being the Jaguars pick. I still think that that's a smokescreen that's an effort to maybe get a team that likes him to swap picks or, or trade up a little bit. But why doesn't he fit in the top five? Like, Why isn't he at least somewhere in, in, in the range of these other guys? 
So I would just like to say I have four guys <clears throat> that are in this top five that have true first round grades for me. Some guys a little higher than others. Number five has a high second, and so does Trevon Walker. He has a high second round grade for me. I think most people would agree that Trevon Walker's on-field performance is not that of a first-round caliber player. He is somewhere second-round type of player as a production and an on-field perspective, and he's got first overall traits. So let's meet somewhere in the middle. For me, I would take Trevon Walker somewhere in the mid-first rounds, and I would be very happy with him. 15 to 25, I would be good with because he has traits to be a fantastic football player. But he's not a number one overall pick in most years. He's not. He's not a top two, three pick, which he probably will be this year in most years. So I guess I'm a little lower comparative to the fact of compared to the NFL that is going to draft him top five. I still like Trevon Walker in the first round. Not a true first round grade for me, but I get it. I get the upside. I just think that there are some limitations, especially early on. He's a guy that's played in an odd man front at Georgia where he's playing a head-up technique most of the time. So you have not seen true snaps off the edge with a guy like a Tron Walker uh, uh, much. He tested like a great athlete. I think he's a good, he's a really good athlete on film. But is he a dominant football player right now? No, he's very raw. He's a guy that I think is not going to play a ton early on during the first half of the season. And he's going to kind of figure it out and, and really get it uh, hit his groove down the stretch of the season. So for that player... I would take a gamble on him somewhere in the mid to late first rounds, but he's not a top two to three player in this class. He's a high second round player with first round traits. So my like general thoughts on Walker, like I don't get why he's suddenly this top five pick. Like I, he's, I totally he's six five, two seventy two, yeah, thirty five inch arms, four five one, forty inch vert. That's why he's yeah, his top ten ever. Pick, yeah, right. But from what I understand about Walker is that he's the debate between Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson made a ton of sense or makes more sense in this circumstance because Aiden Hutchinson is the more polished player and is more ready to play and step in right now. So if you're a team that wants that, then you're going to prioritize that level of development. If you like somebody with a really high ceiling that was still dominant but needs to work on some things, that's what you get with Kayvon Thibodeau. So that debate makes sense. Trevon Walker doesn't have as high of a ceiling as Thibodeau and he's not as polished as, as Hutchinson. So I just don't know where, where he suddenly fits into the, the mix with those other guys. People are talking themselves into a man after he did, after he blew up the combine. I know Daniel Jeremiah just put on that. He was considered a first round player before the combine. He may have been considered a first round player, but he was not considered a top five player before the combine. People saw what he did from an athleticism perspective and they start letting their imagination run wild, which is fine. I get it. I understand it. I'm fine with it, but he's just not a first top three pick. Like he's just not that type of dude. In my opinion, great traits. I think he honestly, if he was a player that would just put on 10, 15 more pounds, I think he would be an absolute dominant, like four, four, I five tech. He would be a fantastic player in that role. He's going to do a thing though. And I kind of made this comparison when we had, we had Connor Rogers on. There are some stylistic comparisons to his Solomon Thomas, different players, different athletes. I get it. But Solomon Thomas, if you remember him coming out of Stanford, same story, played in a three man front, played a lot of in, more interior than he did a true edge. And then he went to the NFL and they tried to make him do edge things. And it just was not a natural fit for him, right? Like it just didn't make a lot of sense. So I have some reservations about Trevon Walker, great talent, tremendous upside, but he's not a great football player right now. Honestly, Joe, if you had to rank Trevon Walker, as far as the best Georgia defenders last season, where would he rank? 
Honestly, well, at one point, Adam Anderson, before he, he yeah. was dealing with the off off field stuff, like he was considered to be the, the first, first defense, yeah, but to be the first defensive player for for Georgia yep. pretty early on that was going to be selected. Like I think if Adam Anderson didn't have happened what happened, and we don't know the entirety of of that story because it, it blew up for a second, and then we haven't even heard about him since. Yeah, but like I, I think we would maybe would be doing the same thing with Adam Anderson if he was still around. And I would have got it with Anderson a little more because I think he has true outside track ability, yeah. but obviously off the field stuff is, you know, clouded his future. I mean, for me though, it's like, was he a more impactful player than Lewis seen last year? Probably not. Jordan was he Davis. More, was he more impactful than Jordan Davis? Probably not. Was he more impactful than Kobe Dean? Absolutely not. So like, I mean, you're probably talking about the fourth to fifth best defender on this team last year. And it was a historically great defense. So like, that's not the biggest negative in the world, but if you're talking about a guy that's a potential first overall pick, he should stand out, man. Like he should be the guy that's the dude on a defense. And he just wasn't. He was a good player. He wasn't a great player. All right. Let's get into these top five picks. These sorry, these top five rankings that you have for the edge class. At number five, you're going with Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, one of the darlings of the pre-draft process that has seriously improved their draft stock. You slot him at five, as I said. What yep. makes him your fifth best edge player? I mean, he really sold me at the senior bowl, man. Like the, the tape was good, incredibly physical runs, um, edge setter. I think he's got good hand usage, and he really took a huge step forward at Florida State. You saw it at Georgia, he had flashes, right? Like you saw it. And he played in three, four more of a rush backer. Florida State put his hand in there a little more. They let him just be that true four, three defensive end. And I think you saw a rush variety. I don't think he's the most flexible rusher of all time. I don't think he's got great bend, but I think he understands how to kind of set up his moves and reduce angles. So he's a guy that senior bowl, he was dominant all week. I mean, Joe, you were there. He didn't even show up for the third day of practice because he's like, I don't have anything else that I need to show anybody this week. Like I, I've just been dominant. And he goes to the combine. I don't think he did a ton, but he ran in the four fives at six, five plus 260 pounds. So he, I think there's just a clean projection and high floor for a guy like a Jermaine Johnson. I don't think he's as much upside as some of the guys in this class, but I think he's just going to be a really good starter, eight to 10 sack guy a year type of player and a really good edge setter. Like that's just what I see with Jermaine Johnson. I think he's just a really, he's a hard player to kind of poke holes in. He's not the most gifted again, flexibility wise, but he knows how to reduce angles. So I'm not worried about that layer of it. You at number four have David Ajabo from Michigan. And I, I feel like everyone has just suddenly forgotten about Ajabo since he tore his Achilles um, during his pro day. And something like that is certainly going to hurt your draft stock. An Achilles injury is, is not one that you like to see for an edge rusher because of that ability to, to push off and, and, and spring off the ball when the ball is snapped. But you're still keeping him at four. Are you not worried about the, in, the, the injury for him? Not as much just because he's a young guy and you, we see the guys that come back from, I mean, that could be a real career ender near the end of careers. And if it's a multiple type of injury for an Achilles, but usually Achilles guys usually come back stronger the first time, especially when they're younger. So I'm not worried about it too much, to be honest with you. And I think that Ajabo is a kid that we're talking upside in this class. His upside is about as high as just about anybody, man. He's a four or five something athlete at six foot five, 250 plus pounds. Hasn't been playing football much. I think he went into this this past year with like 19 career snaps because he was a out of Blair Academy, which is the same school here in New Jersey that Adafi Owe went to. 
he was a really raw football player who didn't really start playing football until he was in high school. So he hasn't been playing the game very long. And I think you sh- you see that on film, right? Like he doesn't really understand how to use his hands all the time. He's not a great player against the run right now, but the traits are all there. And he's probably the most gifted outside track rusher in this class, man. Like he has good ability to threaten the, ups- uh, 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 threaten the, um, threaten the arc and the ability to run the hoop. And I don't know if he's, again, the most flexible rusher of all time. Like, I don't think his Ben's fantastic, but his first step is just so explosive. He gets out of the blocks. I mean, if you look at his Blair Academy profile as a track and field athlete, he was like a 10-8 or 10-900 meter dude coming out. Wow. So his first step is impressive. He's a really explosive athlete, and he beats a lot of guys on the outside track. So I like Ajabo. I think he's going to be a – if he hits his ceiling, he's going to be a double-digit sack artist. Similarly, I think he's a little more better of an athlete, a little bit longer – but he reminds me a lot of um, the uh, Yannick Ngakwe that now plays with the Las Vegas Raiders. Just a really good pass rusher. But realistically speaking, with the Achilles injury and and how we know teams will freak out over something like this, mm-hmm. he's probably going to be a day two pick, right? I, I mean, I think late first, s- somewhere early second, because I think that teams are still going to take into account that he's going to have a redshirt year, right? So if you want the five-year control, I think that's a big upside to you, right? Cause good point. If you miss that first season, your clock already started, though, from a contract perspective. So you need, you know, getting that extra year, I think, comes in big time for, for long term. Who was the, the Vanderbilt kid who the same De- thing happened to last Deo, year? Deo Oda Yingbo. Oda Yingbo. And he yep. wasn't considered to be a first round pick ever. And he still went on to be selected in the third round. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and, and it didn't hurt his draft stock at all. He was considered a day two player before the injury. He still ended up being a day two player to the Indianapolis Colts. So I think that getting that first that five year control might be a big deal because you understand mm-hmm. that a job was upside is tremendous and you want to have that extra year of control with that injury potentially. At number three, you've got his teammate Aiden Hutchinson. We were talking a little bit about him earlier. He's probably the more polished player, which makes sense because he's been around the longest and he went back for the extra year, was considered to be a, a late first round pick. Now he's in that first overall pick conversation for you at number three. Why does he slot where he does? I think that Aiden has a tremendous floor. First and foremost, he's got a nice, nice frame, six, six plus 260 pounds. I think he can still add more weight if he, if he feels necessary. First step is dynamic. Like he puts offensive tackles in quarrel early on. Like you put him in a little bit of a struggle and he has a good understanding of how to set up moves. So he hits a lot of inside counters, hits a lot of secondary moves, good hand usage at the top of the arc. So all that stuff is good. I do not think, although Aiden Hutchinson ran a ridiculous three cone time, I don't think he's the bendiest player of all time. So I don't think he's a true outside track guy. I think he's a guy that's going to have to set up his speed, hit some power moves, hit some inside counters. And he showed this last year at Michigan that when you, his ability to rush from wide, wider alignments He's kind of in the vein of a Nick Bosa to a degree. Like Nick Bosa is a much higher prospect. I'm not comparing them as as players. What I'm saying is that Nick Bosa is not the bendiest dude of all time. So he understands wide rush angles. I'm going to get my hips aligned, and then I'm going to get that, that easy track to the quarterback. And I think Aiden Hutchinson understands that as well. So I don't know if Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a high-volume sack guy at the next level, probably more like a seven- to nine-year sack guy. But I think that he's going to be a player that can kind of move up down the line of scrimmage and give def- uh, offensive linemen a lot of problems. I, I find it really interesting at number two that you've got George Karloftis. Uh, less interesting for me because I, I've known since the beginning of this class that you've been a, a George Karloftis fan. Uh, we're talking about the Purdue edge rusher. 
And I, I totally understand it. I totally get it. He's He's got better length than Hutchinson does. He, he's not far off with his athletic testing. And I just remember watching him against Notre Dame, man. That, that was a game where I was like, what is this guy? Who is this guy? I, I knew who he was, but I was like, he is really this good that that no one can can handle him on that Notre Dame offensive line, which was it was a bad offensive line for Notre Dame standards, but still pretty good offensive line unit. Why does he make sense at number two for you? Yeah, the Notre Dame game was bananas, man. He literally took Josh Lug the right tackle, and he now this year Josh Lug is playing guard. <laughs> like, like that was <laughs> that was the end of Josh Lug and tackle right there. So, um, yeah, he's a guy that it's about how things are translatable. When you're talking about how guys win, how he is a speed to power converter is very translatable in my opinion. He's got better length, like you said, than Aiden Hutchinson. Even though Karloff is the only one that talk they talk about length for some reason, it doesn't make any sense. But he understands. Rush angles. He understands how to soften angles. He understands. Gr- he has great hand uses at the top of the arc, like some of the better hands, maybe in the maybe the best hands in this class. So he understands how to set up moves. He has some inside rush ability. He played. He's played between a four three and a three four during his time at Purdue. So I think that he can rush for multiple alignments. I just think he's a really just good football player, man. Like some things are quantifiable because I think he only had ended up having like six sacks this year. But if you watch it, like. He was pressuring dudes all day. I mean, that Notre Dame game you're talking about, he only had one sack, but like probably maybe could have had four or five. Like he was just a dominant force in those types of games. So I really like George Karloftis a ton, man. I think he's a double-digit sack guy at the next level. I think he's going to be fantastic. I think he's going to be a good run defender too that has some versatility move up and down the line of scrimmage. So speed, the power converter, George Karloftis is the best in the class at that, in my opinion. Ryan, I don't know why we keep doing this with these Oregon players. But Kayvon Thibodeau, it just it feels so eerily similar to what happened to Justin Herbert, where <laughs> you know everyone's talking he's not a leader. <laughs> his teammates didn't show up to his birthday party. That's the you know the kind of thing that that we're getting here. We, we got with with Justin Herbert, and then he shows up and he gets there out there on the field, and he's far and away the the one of the best rookie quarterbacks in that class. And it's it's close between him and Joe Burrow right now. Way better than Tua. Everyone's questioning Tua right now. And suddenly we're doing the same thing with Kayvon Thibodeau. Has the best ceiling out of any of these edge rushers. Was at one point considered to be the first overall pick. But he suddenly, there's concerns of, is is he bought in? Does he have the the, the personality, the mentality to, to be a first overall pick? I think if we look past that and we stop playing that stupid game, he's going to be really, really good. But why for you is Kayvon Thibodeau number one? Before I start there, man, was that a was that a draft day reference? It was a draft day reference. Have you have you watched it this week? I have to watch it at some point because I I'm a you know a crackhead for that show for that movie. <laughs> I've watched it twice this week already. What you're beating yes. me? <laughs> yes. Uh, wait, I need to know how you ended up watching it twice. Like, did you go out of your way? Like, I need to watch this twice, or just happened to? Well, no, I, I watched it. So I watched it yesterday, and it was just kind of on in the background. This is this is the thing about working from home now, man. Like, I just do. I like I'm I'm writing articles and stuff, and I just put things on in the background. So okay. I put it on yesterday in the background. I didn't actually watch it. So this morning I put it on again, you know, because just to miss miss some of the great parts, you know, like it's very realistic movie. If you, if you haven't kind of known about that. So top, top five, best movie of all time. Um, <laughs> yes. All right. I'm sorry. Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, he's been the guy that I've been asked. I don't know about you, Joe. I've been asked about him the most of on yeah. every radio spot, like just consistently. This is the thing. And you made the comparison to Justin Herbert. 
yes, I get that. Justin Herbert was, you know, called an introvert. Is he a leader? Blah, blah, blah. Kayvon Thibodeau is a little different. I compare it a little more to the Miles Garrett thing when he was coming out of Texas AM. It's like, wow, he has interest outside of football. How crazy is that, man? Like, wow, I can't believe or, uh, he's like Jalen Phillips, too, is the same bit we did last oh, week. He likes God. music. Wow, is he focused on football? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's a, yeah, he was he was recording music, right? And people were like, like it's so silly, man. It's just so silly. I mean, Kayvon, look, people question that and they're like, oh, it translates to the film. He takes plays off. Where? Show me where it is, man. Like, I've watched the games and I'm just like, I think he's a better run defender right now than than pass pressure. Like, he is a very high effort player, in my opinion, in the run game, and he has traits for days as a pass rusher. 6'4, 250 plus, 34 inch arms, right in the four fives at the combine explosive football player with good bend. And I think that you've seen the highest of highs is he's winning off of traits with good coaching. If you start to get the nuance to the position a little bit and so add some moves to the arsenal, this is a perennial 10 plus sacks a season type of guy like this. He has tremendous about a talent for the people that love comps out there. It's a little more of a historical comp. Leonard little that used to play with the St. Louis Rams at the time was a perennial 10 plus sack a year guy really good player that came out of university of Tennessee. And I mean, he was a dominant pass rusher during his, during his period. So I see a lot of the same traits with a cave on Thibodeau. Is it, is it finished right now? Absolutely not. He still needs to add those moves to his arsenal, but the talent is absolutely there. There's no question. Well, that is the final position ranking for the 2022 NFL draft. We're getting really close. It's Tuesday. I'm going to probably, this is going to air on Tuesday. We've got like maybe like one or two shows left, man. It's it's crazy. We finally made it, Ryan. We finally made it after what has been a, a crazy draft cycle. We managed to lose a co-host. We did. we did. And here we are. We're continuing on. Stay tuned, folks. We've got more coming your way. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.